The Lord, when you're in financial need, when you're in trouble, the Lord said, look, I won't forsake you. Call on me. Just tell me how helpless you are. Tell me how frustrated you are. Be like the evergreen trees when the great snowfall comes. And its weight is so great that the other trees find their limbs breaking because they resist in their own strength. But the evergreen yields, it bends, it's willing to go clear to the floor, and its branches don't break. That is the place where you and I find solutions. Let us ask God to help us to be willing to bend. You know, no home would need to break if the mates were willing to bend. It's because they're obstinate. You cannot make me do it. Let's bend with the evergreens. The Bible says the evergreen, whatever he does will prosper because his leaf doesn't wither, the first psalm. God wants a people who are free to get down on two knees and say, Lord, I do not have the solution, but you do. And that's what we're teaching in the ABCs of prayer. God has 3,573 promises or clusters of promises. And he said, ask me and believe. Reach up and take it. Admit your helplessness. Admit your hopelessness. But know that I will not forsake you. This morning we sit here. After the first service this morning, I talked with a dear friend of mine who is in great financial distress. He can fall on his knees with his family, and he can reach up and say, Lord, I'm in trouble. You have said, bring you all the tithes into the storehouse, that there may be meat in mine house. Prove me now here, West saith the Lord of hosts. I will open you the windows of heaven. I'll pour you out a blessing. There shall not be room enough to receive it. That's God. Whatever your problem may be, Let's spread it out before God. I met God at X in algebra. I met God at X in French. I met God at X in history, abominable history. And I met God at X in Greek. <laughs> and the more helpless we recognize ourselves to be, and recognize that God is eager to come to our rescue, the more quickly we can bend down before him. And as we bend down before him, the weight falls on Jesus. He said, cast all your care on him. He cares for you. That's God. That's Christ. Well, they met God too. And I want to share a few of those experiences of the home that was breaking. My, I remember how that man came to me after I'd picked up the ABCs of prayer and I just, I just gloried in the love of Christ. I just gloried in his love and I wanted to share his love everywhere. He came in and told how his home was breaking, his heart was breaking, his hold on Jesus was gone. Can you help me? And we shared with him a God that says, when you're undone, when you're thirsty, really thirsty, when you recognize your helplessness, I won't forsake you. One hour later, he walked out a new creature in Christ Jesus and a new home. That sobbing girl that came, 
Nobody knew the serious thoughts that she had. I was pastor of one of our college churches, and that girl came in. I'd been preaching, trying to uplift Jesus and let people know that Jesus loves us. He's interested in us. About six weeks later, a little tap at the study door. I opened the door, and there she was, and she told me how that she had sobbed. Nobody knew, not one person on the campus, myself included, knew that she had the first serious thought of Jesus. She'd go into her room, fall on her bed, sob for an hour at a time, didn't even dare to look up to Jesus, didn't know how much he loves her. Oh, if she'd only known that he said, look, when you're thirsty for answers, I'll not forsake you, and you'll know that the hand of the Lord has done it, and you'll give me credit and glory everywhere I go. you go because there are hundreds and thousands of others who don't really know that Jesus loves them. I think of that lost man that came into my study. Oh, he said, I heard you challenging the young ministers to tell men and women how they're saved. Will you tell me how? When the poor and needy are, are thirsty and seeking water, they can bend like the evergreen under the terrible weight of the tempest and know that God is there. Aren't you glad? Aren't you glad for that? I think of my own experience as an agonizing minister. Everything was going wrong. Twenty-five years ago, my wife and I started traveling. We had a 36-foot house trailer, and we pulled it, towed it behind a little, one of the smallest Chevrolets. It was like a jackrabbit hitched to a wagon. And the very first encounter we had, the very first trip, we had to be towed up a hill. <laughs> they towed the Chevrolet and the trailer and all. And you know, when you and I find that we're thirsty for help, and we just can't negotiate the hills of life, God will come to our rescue. I found that my period of rest between series was worse than the series because the weight of that trailer would pull the transmissions of the cars, and with it, it would pull my heart out. And I was going through all kinds of trouble. I found it was costing me $100 more a month than I was receiving from the conference for help. And I didn't want to tell them that because we're pioneering this type of work. So I said, well, Lord, help me. And I, I found when a debt came due, I went to a bank and borrowed the money. And when that came due, I borrowed the money from another bank to pay the first. And when that came due, I borrowed money from the third bank to pay the second. And kept my credit good. <laughs> and the aches and the pains went right to the, the pit of my stomach. We're down in Natchez, Mississippi, 25 years ago. Seemed I couldn't take it any longer. You know how wonderful to know we can fall on our knees before God. I jumped in the car, went out, way out, way out of no man's land. I was sure that I was out in the woods where there's nobody around. Parked the car, walked far out in the woods with my Bible, fell on my knees in deep agony. I cried out to God. I told him, I told him about his promises. <laughs> and I told him how unworthy I was. I claimed his forgiveness, his pardon his righteousness. And then I said, Lord, I'm in trouble. I'm in trouble financially. 
I'm up to my neck. And that troubles me mentally. And that troubles me physically. And it's gone over, all over my body and all over my soul. And here I am telling people about how to get answers to prayer. I fell on my knees out there and I lifted my hands toward heaven. I cried out to God in agony and wept. I don't know how long I was there. I went back, went back to the trailer. As I walked past my wife, I looked in the opposite direction. You know, we don't like to have people see that we've been weeping. Men don't. Walked in the bathroom, washed out my eyes, dried off my face, went into my study. And you know, the Lord relaxed me. My soul was relaxed. And with that, my mind was relaxed. And with that, the solar plexus was relaxed. There was no sudden something, but there was a relaxation. There was peace, like what the young people sang about. And little by little, the problems were solved by the Lord's blessing. Oh, beloved, in that terrible problem that you have, remember. Remember the Lord said when you seek water. That is, you seek an answer. You're very thirsty for an answer in any area of life. And you'll be like that evergreen. Just bend way down till you get on your knees. Oh, the answer is waiting. I will not forsake. It's not for somebody else. It's for you and you and you and for me. And I found that the devil wants me to worry. Like those trees that are not evergreen. And there we stand stiff and abstinent. And we are broken. While the evergreen that get lowers itself. Ah, he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water, bringeth forth his fruit in his season. His leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth, it shall prosper. I thank God for such a wonderful, wonderful Savior. <clears throat> I met God at X. We had been in school away from home, 400 miles away, and one of our studies was algebra. My wife always loved algebra. You know why you love it? When you can negotiate it. <laughs> if you can't negotiate it, you don't love it. I had two brothers with me studying algebra under a teacher that did not understand algebra. He was taking second year algebra and he didn't understand first year and neither did I. At the end of the six weeks examination came on and when we got back our papers, my brother Lester, my brother David had on their papers not a 75% passing, but they, one had 16%, the other had zero, and I had 16. Between the three of us, we had 32%. My brother David dropped algebra, my brother Lester dropped algebra. I didn't have sense enough, I guess, to drop it. I asked that great tall teacher to come up to my room one night and help me. <laughs> He spent the whole study period of two hours on one problem and didn't solve it. He left rather chagrined and I let him leave and I was hopeless, except for one thing. I thank God I was reared in a Christian home where father's and mother's diet was the promises of God. Never did they miss worship morning or night, a single year we were home or a single day often praying in the middle of the day. I've heard my father pray again and again out in the, 
out in the barn when he didn't know any of us were hearing. He was bending low in heart before the Lord. And it seems silhouetted against my mind was the promise of Matthew 7, 7. Ask, it shall be given you. I slumped down on my knees, and you know, I didn't know A, B, C as we're teaching it now. But the principles, thousands of people know who never heard of ABC as we're teaching. And the principle is what counts. And I knelt down and I just asked God to solve my problem. I told him how helpless I was. Be free to do that, friends. God already knows how helpless we are. We're not telling him anything that he doesn't know. We're just opening our heart. Like, like you tune in a radio to a broadcasting station. It's broadcasting all the while. So God is broadcasting answers, but we tune in by telling him how undone, how helpless we are, and then reaching up and claiming his promise. I will not forsake you. Somehow I just believed. I climbed into bed with assurance that the answer was coming. I haven't always done that. Don't get the impression that I'm just somebody special. My friends, we all have times when it's easier to believe than others. It's times when it's hard to believe that we need to tell God how helpless we are and that he will not fail. I began to sleep, and immediately I dreamed. And by the grace of God, he helped me to dream that I was working on that algebra problem. And as I looked at that problem in my dream, thanks be to the Lord, he showed me where the teacher made the mistake. But God doesn't make any mistakes. And in my dream, I said, well, there it is. This is the solution. Wonderful. And in my dream, I, I substituted the, the solution for what the teacher had done that wasn't a solution. And immediately, God awakened me. It was fresh in my mind. I seized my pencil, did it on paper, took it to the class the next morning. It was perfect. Now, friends, it wasn't because of me. It was because of God. He says in the 20th verse that people know that the hand of the Lord has done it. A God that will come to the rescue of a homely, ignorant 16-year-old boy will come to your rescue, beloved, in any area of life. If it's home problem, fall on your knees together. See what God will do. If it's a financial problem, fall on your knees together. See what God will do. If it's a parent-child problem, fall on your knees. That is the place to find the answer. Oh, that meant much to me. Because later, when I was studying French, <laughs> I want to tell you, the teacher came from uh, New England, where they have that beautiful, beautiful uh, accent. You know, I've always loved to hear the New Englanders speak. Because when we say remember, they say remember. I love it. And where we say Isaiah, they say Isaiah. They really get him. But when I was studying French, <laughs> I didn't know whether it was ah or are. And I was greatly confused. But the Lord had met me at X. X means when you don't know what to do. I remembered how I would go to various algebra problems years, a year or two before. And I would say, Lord, there is no solution to that problem. And the Lord said, yes, there is. And I said, Lord, you've helped me negotiate algebra again and again. You'll also help me to negotiate French. And he did. And I came off with a C in algebra and about a C in French. And then by those, the Lord prepared me to meet him again in general history. 
He was the worst general I've ever met. And the teacher had a face that scared me worse than history. Present truth was worse than historical truth. And every time I'd stand there and he asked me a question, I'd freeze. And I said, I'm going to get it. I'm going to have it. I shall master it. And I'd spend an hour. I'd spend an hour and a half. I'd spend two hours and come down with a great big fat D. And I'd look into his face and I said, thank you, Lord. It wasn't an F. And then, you know, I remembered how I'd met God at X and in French. And he's the same God yesterday, today, and forever. I fell on my knees and I said, Lord, I said, I just don't like history. Here I'm supposed to know how one army came up on this mountain on the north side. I don't care whether they came up on the north or the south. I don't care whether they came at all or not. But Lord, if I'm going to be a minister, I've got to negotiate this general too. And the Lord told me how to do it. He said, concentrate. Don't concentrate on that teacher's ugly face as he looks at you and almost bores a hole through you. Concentrate on, L, on, on this for all you're worth. Learn the outline. Concentrate. And I found I could get it in 30 and 40 minutes and come down with a B. You know, God tells us how to do it. And then when it came to Greek, that was all Greek to me. And I saw I wasn't doing well. But the Lord had met me at X. He had make, met me in French. He had met me in, in that... <laughs> he and the Lord and I had met the general. <laughs> History. And now he met me at Greek, and he taught me how to get A's and B's in Greek. Friends, whether it's a study, whether it's a home, whether it's parent-children relationship, whether it's a soul that's backsliding, there is an answer if you and I will cry out to God and claim his promises. I love to read from that beautiful book, Patriarchs and Prophets, page 4, uh, Prophets and Kings, page 428. It's the same as Hebrews 10, 23, where it says he's faithful at promise. I've, I've almost memorized some of these statements. Prophets and Kings, page 428. It was speaking about exiles in Babylon who are having all kinds of trouble. And it said, they found that the promises of God were all sufficient in every experience through which they were called to pass. I say, praise the Lord, what do you say? They found they were all sufficient. You see, the promises tell us what God is like. And what the world needs today to know is, what kind of a Savior do we have? Is he basically a time of trouble Savior? If so, then we are going to have a time of trouble right along now. Is he basically a pestilent savior or is he a loving savior? My friends, God is love. Call on me when you're thirsty. I'll come to your rescue. And you'll say, the hand of the Lord did it. I didn't do it, he did it. As you think into your own heart this morning, beloved, as you realize that problem, don't let the problem loom larger than Jesus. Sin is big, but the grace of Christ is bigger. Problems are big, but solutions are from the very foundation of the world. They're waiting. God did these solutions before a problem ever existed. They're waiting for you and me. Let's fly to him. Let's fall on our knees and say, here's the answer. 
It says also in that same connection in that beautiful book, Prophets and Kings, that these exiles, these prisoners, these captives, can you imagine? These promises of God, it says, were to them like sweetest music. My friends, the promises of God tell us what Jesus is like. When he said, I'll forgive your sins, though they are scarlet, what does that tell you and me about Jesus? What a wonderful Savior is Jesus, my Lord. What a merciful Lord he is. Your sins are scarlet. He'll make them white as snow. That's what the promises do. They tell us what the Lord is. When he said, if you lack wisdom, call on me, it tells of an all-wise God, an all-wise, gracious, merciful Savior. When we read his promise of eternal life, it shows that he wants us to be with him through the ever-revolving cycles of long, unending eternity. Oh, they said, it's like sweetest music to our ears. Jeremiah said, thy words were found and I did eat them, Jeremiah 15, 16. Thy words were to me the joy and the rejoicing of my heart. Beloved, if you have never before knelt down before God, open his holy book to his immutable, eternal, impeccable, never-failing promises. If you've never done it before, do it now. You'll find there's rest, there's satisfaction. We learn about Jesus there. John 17, 3. This is life eternal, that they might know thee, the only true God and Jesus Christ whom thou hast sent. Most of us who are here this morning have heard a great deal about the coming time of trouble, such as never was since there was a nation. When I was a little boy, I heard much about it. I heard about Daniel 12, 1. Oh, my. There shall be a time of trouble such as never was since there was a nation. And I began to tremble right then. And it seems, I hope it wasn't so, it seems like they never read the rest, which is a promise. At that time, thy people shall be delivered, what? Everyone. Thy people shall be delivered, how many? Everybody. Everyone. There's deliverance then. How shall we know that we shall be delivered then? I found it in great controversy, page 622. It says, we should now acquaint ourselves with the Lord by claiming his promises. If I get acquainted with the Lord who will meet me at every need, financial need, home need, parent, children need, husband and wife need, study needs, salvation needs, if I have found him satisfying me with the sweet music of himself in his promises, then when that terrible time of trouble comes, I can say, I know whom I believe it. I know he's able to keep that which I've committed unto him because he did it back there. And we have nothing to fear for the future except as we shall forget how he has led us in the past. So Matthew 7, 7, back at Madison College, Tennessee, in our prayer meeting, as I mentioned last night, we put a big Bible there and opened to Matthew 7, 7. We invited anyone, no matter what his problem was, to come and place his hand on that open Bible. And when the Bible was fully surrounded, someone else could put his hand on the Bible in symbol by placing his hand on the shoulder of another. Victory after victory was gained by the sweet music of the character of Jesus Christ revealed in his holy word. Oh my, what a savior. I've told you about the sobbing girl, how she came in and I told her of the love of Jesus Christ. 
And she walked out of that study a new creature in Christ Jesus. Has the devil been telling you there's no hope? Have even Christians been pointing to your problem? Has the devil been accusing you? Remember, though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. That broken home, as I mentioned a few moments ago, I claimed Hosea 14, 4. I will heal your backsliding. I will love you freely. Mine anger's turned away. Like sweetest music, it fell on that man's ears as he walked out a new creature in Christ Jesus. Frustrated, helpless, hopeless, and the lost man. I gave him promises like these. Romans 3, 23. The A of salvation, all have sinned. That means we get down on our knees and we tell God we're a sinner. Dear Lord, I'm just a sinner. I deserve death. The wages of sin is death. I'm not going to justify myself. I'm not going to give excuses as to why I'm doing wrong. The Bible says responsibility for sin does not rest on somebody else, like the worldly psychiatrists tell us. The responsibility for sin rests on ourselves. No matter what our parents and grandparents and great-grandparents did, every man must give an account of himself. And when we, when we shoulder the responsibility, I'm a sinner, on our knees, that's the A, all of sin. I'm a sinner. And then I shared within the B of salvation, John 1, 29, Behold the Lamb of God that taketh away the sin of the world. Don't, don't think of all of the, 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 the people around you who have caused you to sin. Sin has no excuse when the grace of God is so tremendous. Look to Jesus. He will take away that sin. That's the beast. Keep looking to him. Don't look at the hypocrites. Don't say, I'm as good as they are. If they can make heaven, I can. There are plenty of hypocrites to look at. And the devil will always know where they are because he is a master hypocrite. And he'll say, look at the hypocrite. Don't look at them. Behold the Lamb of God and say, Lord, I'm a sinner. A, I'm a sinner. All of sin. B, I'm looking to you and I'm claiming your promise that you'll take away my sin. The C is, come unto me, Matthew eleven twenty-eight 28 to 30. Come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden. <clears throat> I'll give you rest. Come confessing. There's the C. Come confessing, double C. 1 John 1, 9. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Lord, I'm a sinner. Lord, I look to Jesus as my Savior. Lord, I come to him confessing my sin and confessing that you're my Savior. And I'm going to confess it where I go. Jesus is my Savior. I'm his child. Unworthy though I am, I'm confessing that his grace is greater than my sin. I'm confessing that his strength is greater than my weakness. I'm confessing that his eternal life is mine through Jesus Christ, and he that hath the Son hath life. And this is the assurance we have in him. If we ask anything according to his will, he heareth us. 
this morning, as we bring this service to a close, if I as a human being find my heart going out in tenderness and sympathy toward those who've requested our prayers on the telephone, by letter, we get letters almost all over the world, crying out, please help, please pray. If I find my heart as a sinner sympathizes deeply, what about the great heart of Jesus Christ? What about the heart of him who was nailed to Calvary for me? My friends, if that doesn't prove his love, whatever would. And so this morning, we're going to sing to close this service my favorite song in all the songbook. I have many favorites, but this, I think, is a favorite of all, unless there might be one other. And it's 276. And it goes something like this. My Jesus, I love thee. I know thou art mine. Do you know Jesus is yours? If not, will you accept his simple promise? If I, he said, I'm standing at the door. I'm knocking. If any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come into him. I will sup with him and he with me. It's not what we can do. It's what we let him do. And my Jesus, I love thee. I know thou art mine. For thee all the follies of sin I resign. My gracious Redeemer, my Savior art thou. If ever I love thee, my Jesus, it's now. Without a doubt, there are individuals in this audience, good, moral, upright people, who came in this morning without the assurance of salvation. And he says, the gift of God is eternal life. Wouldn't you this morning, maybe you know all the doctrines, maybe you're even some teacher or officer in some church, but if you don't have that assurance, why go out this morning until you have that assurance? He said, if you're thirsty, I'll give you the water, and that represents salvation. If you have a deep financial problem that you just have been struggling with and worrying about, why not bring that to the Lord this morning? If you have a very difficult home problem, why not bring that to the Lord this morning? And please don't do this, beloved. Please don't say to yourself, I wonder if I should come to the front. I wonder what they will think. You know, that's one of the devil's biggest ace cards. Don't, they'll think that you may be our murderer. Or maybe they'll think you're running off with somebody else's wife. The devil said, don't do it. What will they think? Isn't he a devil? If you feel your need and your helplessness, you may come as we sing our closing song, and at the close of the benediction, those who have come forward are going to meet with us about five minutes, and we're going to share with you some promises like sweetest music that you can carry with you. And don't worry what anybody else says or what anybody else thinks. If your life is spotless, except you don't have the assurance, or if you have sin and you want to make Jesus Christ the solution to your problem, come as we sing, as we step down together. My Jesus, I love thee. This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's word through free sermon audio and much more. 
If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.